Okay, 12 minutes past two, uh, RTHK Radio 3, the 123 show with James Ross in for Noreen, and uh, I'm joined by Andrew Dembino, as he normally does for his Tuesday uh, segment. Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. How are you on this rainy day? Yes, uh, wet earlier on, but uh, dried out now, uh. and... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ready to get I, out in the rain again, I, I suppose. Uh, that's good, yeah. They crank up the uh, the aircon in the uh, Radio 3 studio, don't they? So it shouldn't take too long. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Actually, yeah. I mean, that is the one good thing about Hong Kong. You know, I've lived in Hong Kong a long time, uh, as have you. Um, but, uh, you know, if uh, it rains in the, in the UK, which is where I'm originally from, mm. then it's very, very difficult to get stuff dried out on a rainy day. And it just takes days to dry it out. But in, uh-huh. I don't True. know, here... You know, stuff gets dried out in half an hour, which is fantastic. So well, that's the good side yeah, but, of, of uh, rainy days. It, it is. And also, it doesn't look like it's going to happen today. But the other side of them, too, is, yeah, you might actually get a good couple of hours here and there of sunshine, which <laughs> uh, which does exactly what you said. Yes, yeah. exactly. Now, we're, yeah, to- yeah. we're talking food and drink, aren't we? We are, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, I wanted to carry on with something that I didn't get the chance to get too deep into a couple of weeks ago, when, as well as international drinks and food reports, I wanted to recommend some really great food and drink audio podcasts mm. that can keep the listener. Yeah, we didn't get, we, we only really got into the first one. And just as a, I, I'm not going to repeat this in detail, but just to recap for any anyone that didn't hear it or for the listener i'll just really just breeze through this in a moment it's uh, the food program from bbc radio 4 in the uk and it's mm. been going for 20 years yeah it's the kind of mothership program of good quality uh, food and drink podcasts perhaps and it's uh, it's it's headed up by an anchor presenter who's been he's been a food and drinks editor and writer for three decades and a team of three or four roving reporters that she has so it's really well funded which is why it's so good i mean it's put together in a very thorough way so that's just a reminder it's, or, it's uh, a good reminder, or, or a I think. Yeah, you know, the, the BBC yeah. has some great resources, and one of the great things about the BBC producing podcasts is that they produce them like mm. radio shows, and they put everything into them that is required to have a good listen. And uh, you know, I, th- I think they really of, do. They have some great ones, so that must be a, a, a one on my list, I think, to have a listen it, to. Yeah, you should. It's really, it's really outstanding. I mean, some of them uh, have uh, have won awards in uh, international com- broadcasting uh, competitions, of course. But I'll go on to the second one, which I uh, only mentioned by name, but didn't go into. And so, from the UK, it's over to the US with a fortnightly podcast, which is called Gastropod. Quite a nice name, really. And uh, <laughs> just, it's, as, it's just as long as the, as long as you're not talking about gastroenteritis, I suppose. I know, I know. It does. It sounds like it could be, um, <laughs> yeah, something to deal with that. Um, yeah, it's, it, but it, but it focuses on science. Uh, and a little bit about history, but it's not so much on trends. The BBC Radio One is is a really wide, massively broad uh, segment that they take in anything from farming and all sorts of things. But but the uh, the gastropod. Uh, fortnightly from america co-hosts are really quite listenable there's cynthia graber who's an award-winning radio producer and also a print reporter who's been in the uh, media biz for nearly two decades as well and she's really quite geeky on science technology and uh, certain technology in food production and really getting behind what makes organic or uh, or other micro brews and other issues really um you know what makes them sing she kind of has really done her research mm. and so she's she's a good one and her co-presenter is nicola twilly 
who's a regular columnist uh, and feature writer for the New Yorker magazine. And so, uh, and she, and she's, well, I'll tell you what, though, I'm not, I'm not sure if I will look up Nicola Twillis. She's a great talker and she really knows her stuff, but I'm not sure if I'm going to look up her two books that she's currently working on when they come out, because one is about refrigeration Ooh. and uh, the, other, the other one is about quarantine and uh, quarantine uh, and the kind of food and drink that people are having under quarantine. I'd like to see a report on those books, but they seem really super niche quite, to, be, uh, quite to heavy. be publishing books on. Although, actually, yeah, I suppose yeah. it's true that it would be quite interesting to know what quarantine food around the around the world is like. Is it um, is it all dismal? Yeah. You know, we hear, hear lots of dismal stories about quarantine food, mm. don't we, both in Hong Kong and, uh, and from other places. But is it the same everywhere? Or is, or is somebody having five-star yeah. quarantine food? Wow. I bet, I bet there might be in some of those food capitals like Leon, which is, which has the most, or at one time had the most Michelin stars in the world. Mm. Not even, you know, even more than Paris. Wonder what their quarantine food is like. If they've indeed even been under quarantine. <laughs> but, um, uh, the, the, a recent episode that they did, uh, in, uh, Gastropod was a two-parter of uh, the, what they called the battle of bottled versus tap water. And it was pretty interesting because it's, uh, you know, I mentioned that they're big on science and history. They delved back into times when uh, when the British actor and raconteur Orson Welles, uh, sorry, Welles, was... Uh, was was promoting uh, Perrier, the, mm. the French sparkling water, mm. and uh, and he used to come out with some really sort of corny quotes about it coming from the centre of the earth and all this sort of thing. It was kind of really really over the top advertising. So they do they have their moments. They might be geeky on science and history, but they do bring a smile in now and then. Right. But but they were they were, they they also did a really great blind tasting with uh, four people. It was the two co-presenters plus a couple of other people in the food and drinks industry to see if they could taste the difference. Between between tap water and the stuff that you pay a premium price for. Do you think you bottles. could do that, Andrew? Do you think you could tell the difference? Um, I, I mean, there, there are some times when I drink tap water that I can tell that it is tap water. Hmm. Certainly in restaurants, you can taste, I don't know about you, James, can you taste some certain chemicals, whether hmm. it's uh, a mild chlorine, chlorine or, or fluoride or, or something? Or, yeah, fluoride, that, that sort of thing. That's, that, that's quite detectable. But I don't know... What's, what, what goes on in your... What, what do you do about water uh, for I, general no, drinking Normally water? tap water, which I filter, I have one of those mm. jugs with a, with a filter yeah. in it, and that does the job. It gets, right. rid, of the, gets rid of the chlorine, yeah. gets rid of impurities. the impurities, and I, yeah. don't, I don't waste any plastic. Yeah, yeah, right. And I mean, I, I, I don't have the uh, jug version. I have the kind of stick it on the tap version, mm. which mm. is... Uh, and, then it go, and then it goes through some kind of cleaning filter things which uh do you like the technical talk there some cleaning filter things which uh which, <laughs> and comes and, and it comes out not tasting of the stuff that it would if it was directly out of the tap um it's a different different way of doing it to the to the jug but uh but i guess the result might be quite similar and so then and so then you can't really taste it you know a lot of restaurants in hong kong though are offering free filter water but it's only it really has to be said it's only the mid to higher priced restaurants that are doing that and it's a big it's, it's also a big kind of um uh hit in terms of revenue of course because uh, bottled water is something that uh, a lot of restaurants and uh retailers 
uh, are making a lot of money out of. Mm. And in America, yeah, there's this two-parter from Gastropod. One of the interesting stats that came out of it is that um, that for some years now, they didn't say exactly how many, but uh, but for the last few years, bottled water um, has been outselling uh, any other form of drink, any other form of non-alcoholic drink in retail in america mm. and that's mm. interesting isn't it because it's you know they're big well we think we might think of them when i say we that's the kind of a generalized non-american folk might think of the u.s of uh of being big on uh, either sodas or juices and it's um uh, and uh, you know just interesting to know that uh, that water is outside yeah i don't know whether is it is it a hard sell though on the part of the restaurants because you know if you're sitting in a restaurant and you sit down and and they come around mm. and you know give you the menus and say do you want some water and before you know yeah. you know they've 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 mm. procured a, a bottle of water you haven't really said i yeah. want tap water or i, or I want uh, bottled water but suddenly the, the bottle right. of water has been opened and it's poured <laughs> and you bought yeah, it yeah that can that that really can happen, and it's a really it's more it's beyond cheeky, isn't it? Mm. It's kind of it's it, it is actually a kind of uh, um, coerced sale. So it's um, but it, but 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 the the other thing is that often uh, carrying on with what you were saying there, sometimes the question is still or sparkling. It's as, it's as blunt as that. It's like the, the the word the word tap isn't mentioned, and if you mention it, there's a kind of a well, yeah, okay, tap. <laughs> yes, you have to be brave. The unspoken. Yes. Yeah. The unspoken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I think it's I think it's worth it really because um, you know there's there's a lot of wastage involved, as we said. So um, other recent topics from Gastropod included. Uh, quarantine cooking interesting that as we mentioned as mm. i mentioned that one of the uh, co-presenters is writing a book on it so good authority on the subject um and she's asking the question what are the effects likely to be if at all on the future of food demand from the uh, consumer and from domestic uh, dining will quarantine cooking that has now been going on for a long time on and off in different places more so than others been uh, will it will it affect the way that we eat in the future Mm. Or, 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 or from restaurants, in fact. Well, one interesting um, thing I was sort of think is, you know, people say, well, I'm in quarantine and, uh, you know, the good thing is I can order, um, you know, deliver f- food on the delivery services. And, uh, yeah, that's really yeah. good. And then about two weeks later, they say, oh, I'm sick of ordering food from takeout services. <laughs> and, you know, you, yeah. kind, you kind of wonder, well, what kind of food do you want then? You know, oh, I want yeah. ordinary food. Well, what's that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting actually. Certain places, um, I think the UK. I've been aware over a period of time. I'm not so. I'm not sure about now. Probably not now because they've uh, relaxed a lot of their restrictions and people are dining out quite freely. But it's uh, but but previously where there were lockdowns or rules were put in place, and this might apply to Victoria and other parts of Australia, which is suffering quite badly from from having to stay indoors uh, with with rampant COVID at the moment. That um, that people are being paid well, you know, unlike in Hong Kong, they they will receive eighty um, percent of salaries across mm. the board for a lot of people, and so they're able to. Uh, to afford quite easily to to get takeaways, you know, with uh, without being tired from work in the normal way, and um, yeah, so it is amazing. I also heard people complaining, like you said, and I just think, well, some people are going to whinge about it, but they uh, they don't realise it's kind of it's all first world problems, you yeah. know. And we we have a lot of great great things in Hong Kong, but what we don't have is support for the every person um, who's who's been hit by by uh, you know by work depending there are some a few there are a few exceptions i think in some industries or in uh, some sectors but uh, but anyway 
veering off the point there. Another, the, the last one to mention for Gastropod, which was really interesting, was a recent one that uh, that the listener might care to to try, which is uh, which is called "Why the World Loves the Chili Pepper," and it's a look at the evolution in cooking from South America, mm. where chili peppers originally came from. And, the, and it, it, the, the historical side of it, I mean, perhaps some of us know this already, but, but it is fascinating. I think people forget, when you think about eating Thai foods or any, any Southeast Asian food, or even some regions of China, Sichuanese, or other places where heat is part of the cuisine, um, it's, it's fascinating that until the 16th century, there were no chili peppers anywhere other than South America. Really? That's very and interesting, isn't yeah. it? Because because all of those regions that you've just mentioned, uh, Thailand, yeah. certain parts of China and so on, yeah. they probably all claim it came from, from them, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really hazy it's a really hazy area, but it's been well researched and also before speaking today I also wanted to look around not just at not just at the gastropods opinion. Mm. And it's um no, it really is the case. Um so South Asia, so India and Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka were the first places to have uh, have red and green chili peppers introduced in the 16th century. Interesting. And uh, and yeah, and from there it went around uh, other parts of Asia, and also after that back to Mediterranean or places in the uh, in Europe. Uh, possibly, I guess, in North America as well, in parts of uh, America, the US, where well, you know where where they can be grown. I'm sure it's all over the place. So, uh, yeah. So. That's 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 gastropod, yeah. uh, which is pretty fascinating. And then another one, totally different kind of vibe on this one. It's called Off Menu, and it uh, it was created in 2018 by two UK 30-something stand-up comedians. And I don't know if anyone has ever heard of the, these guys, Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Um, James Acaster does have on one of the most popular streaming TV networks, has some stand-up uh, comedy on that. And they're very much part of the current UK stand-up scene. And they, be, being as such, and they are on TV as well a bit, and uh, they, they, they have access to some, in inverted commas, special guests, sometimes celebrities, let's say. And so what they do is they invite people, foodie types as well, chefs, food critics, as well as the occasional celebrity, to come into what they call their imaginary restaurant, basically, it's their, where their recording studio or wherever they're recording their podcast, mm. to choose um, an imaginary favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert, and drink, and it goes off into talking about what these dishes mean to them and why they're why they're choosing them, uh, as well as where they've had their best ones. Not just not just mentioning a load of restaurants, but the setting, whether was it with the people they were with, which you know is a big part of food and drink, obviously, and it's uh, it always touches on food and drinks issues like trends that are going on at the moment or one and because these two guys who are leading it are both stand-up comedians it's very very funny <laughs> it's so it's, it's really it is pl plenty of humor uh yeah michelin starred chefs down to kind of sandwich bar chefs appearing on it sometimes right so have a listen to that what's That's it called off again menu. off menu off menu mm. yeah mm. yeah two mm. words sounds good and um yeah, worth def definitely worth a listen. Now, for another quick part, another part of the world, this might be the last one I have time to mention, uh, and I still haven't got through this list. There are actually two, but, uh, but if I race through them too fast, it won't do them justice. Um, there's one called Mess Hall Podcast, and it comes from Canada, and this is a really nice laid-back casual one with a mix of trend topics internationally as well as in Canada. I find it interesting because it's just another part of the world for, for me to hear about 
uh, of what the food and drinks products that are produced there are either naturally farmed or pre or packaged you know for for convenience because they're a bit different from uh what we know uh in, the, in this part of the world but also they're a bit different from america which we might be more familiar with and the co-hosts are a couple um, I don't know if they're married or not, but it's a man and a woman who are a couple. And that's Avery and uh, Lena Cochran. Oh, they must be married. Same surname. I couldn't find this out. <laughs> I did a Google search. Are they married? But I couldn't find anything about it. Uh, but but they're, they're sometimes also joined by drinks or food industry minded guests or from you know or, or from the actual world of food and drinks yeah. and they sample together with some people that come in and join them sometimes or sometimes it's just the two of them they'll sample things that they've had and interesting things they've found around canada um or from around the world that there's just come their way something new it might be a new kind of uh, it might be a new kind of snack it might be a new kind of vodka they're, they're trying all sorts of things and so they're they're going into mass-produced things sometimes they did an oreo tasting of the very mass-produced biscuit and loads oh. of flavors so, it's, so it, i like it because it's not too precious how can you it's do an oreo of, um, how can you do an oreo testing so it's certainly isn't it the same <laughs> Well, oh, okay, cause, because because there are yeah there are there are some slightly different kind of jazzed up Oreo flavors that we can't get here. Oh, so I see. It's right, like I don't right. yeah I don't know if you've ever seen the various Kit Kat biscuits yes, that are around. That's so most of them made in Japan. Mm, mm, <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, right. It seems like Oreos in North America are prone to a bit of that. Can't oh. say uh, that we blame him. It's, it's, it seems like a successful thing to do. Sure. So the last one I won't mention, uh, James, because I do know that we're uh, probably pretty much uh, yeah. we're a bit out of time now. Coming mm. up to the news. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what? So that's. What I'll, I'll leave it there, and I'll just. I'll just quickly say then. I do recommend all of those. That was the food program from the BBC, Gastropod, Off Menu, and Mess Hall podcast from Canada. And I, are any of those more? professional podcast versus the everyday yeah, uh, person in the street definitely. how would you how would you balance this right. is, is the, the one first, that's more you know for the everyday person yeah the first two the, the food program bbc is just so well researched but it's really accessible for mm. anybody you could mm. be you know it's just because you've got people like farmers telling their story about about what why they're doing what they're doing they might go back generations you might get a profile on a farmer mm. gastropod very much uh not 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 too serious but very well researched you know it's that it's that science and history off menu it's just a really good laugh but you but you can still learn something about about food and drinks because uh, trends come up and the two comedians are real foodies one of them more so than the other and so they really know their stuff and mess hall podcast is a is just a pretty laid-back fun chat i'd say it's the least um geeky in terms of getting under the subjects but it but it's but it's not too uh yeah it's not too light either just delve in sounds uh, fantastic uh, get some great choices there uh, andrew and certainly give us some uh, uh, food for thought and f food for listening um andrew hey. dembina is here every okay. tuesday lunchtime aren't you sir and uh um, bringing us the I best am. in food and drink from around the world uh, thank you we will uh, talk to you next time uh, next tuesday at the same time look look forward to it Thanks. Thanks very much, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks, thanks very much.